So Money episode 282, Agape Stasinopoulos. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Well, ahead of introducing today's wonderful guest, I have to quickly share with you the charity fundraiser and competition that's going to be going on all month here at So Money, the entire month of November, in tandem with a charity fundraiser forward slash competition going on with Joe Saul Sihai's podcast, Stacking Benjamins. And to tell us all about that, I brought on Joe. And Joe, here you go. What, take the mic. You, you invited me onto this little fundraiser of yours, and I'm I'm excited, but also a little nervous. Farnish, I'm way excited that we're doing this together. You know, uh, we can raise a bunch of money for charity. And I love this at the end of the year with Thanksgiving. For people in the United States, we end the month of November with uh, Thanksgiving. And I thought, what a great way for our community to help another community that might need it. So we are going to be raising money for the Texas 4000, which is a 4,000 mile bike ride that University of Texas students take to raise money for cancer research and, and cancer-related causes. Uh, I know that they give a lot of money to MD Anderson Hospital, one of the premier uh, cancer treatment clinics in the United States in Houston, Texas. And then they also give it to worthwhile uh, research facilities around the nation. So we're going to be raising money at, at, at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Texas 4000. And it's cool because our organization, Farnoosh, has a lot in terms of where the money goes, a lot in common with who you're raising money yes. for. Talk about that for a minute. Well, thank you. That was a nice transition. So uh, I have chosen, our team here at So Money has chosen the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, near and dear to my heart as well, because I was a part of this when I was in college. It's the Penn State IFC Panhellenic Dance Marathon. It's affectionately known as THON, and it's a year-long effort to raise money and awareness for the fight against pediatric cancer. It's raised over $125 million for the Four Diamonds Fund at Penn State Hershey Children's Hospital. And next year's THON 2016 is what we are fundraising for now. And that will be taking place February 19th through the 21st. It's a 46-hour dance marathon. I did it and I survived. It was uh, life-altering. But of course, it's for an amazing, tremendous and important cause. Thon.org forward slash so money. Thon.org forward slash so money is where you can go to contribute. I know it's high season for canning. And this is a way to join in on the fun. Anything you can do, know that it will be well spent. Over 95% of funds go to the families. That's so great. And the rider that we're riding for, uh, who's riding in the Texas 4000, her name is Shelby Schreiber. Her father was a single dad raising her Farnoosh. And when she was in high school, he started feeling bad, went to the doctor. It turned out he had terminal cancer and he passed away when she was just in high school. Hmm. So here she is without a dad. And now she decided she's going to ride this 4,000 mile bike ride in honor of him. And they spend no money on the bike ride. Uh, All the food along the way, all the housing along the way is donated. So I love these organizations, but stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Texas four zero zero zero. And I hope together we can raise a lot of money. I think we will. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. 
All right. Today's guest is a best-selling author and speaker who inspires audiences all over the globe, along with her sister, Ariana Huffington. Agapi Stasinopoulos is here today. She recently gave the final keynote speech at She Summit in New York this year. She had the crowd just roaring with laughter while also delivering important messages from her latest book, Unbinding the Heart, a dose of Greek wisdom, generosity, and unconditional love. Now, in this book, Agapi shares adventures from her life and the wisdom she's gained from those experiences, as well as the values that her Greek mother instilled in her and sister Ariana. Prior to this latest book, Agapi has written one on Greek archetypes, which has been turned into PBS specials. Most recently, she's developing a curriculum on heartfelt leadership for both the Wharton and Columbia business schools in order to provide tools for students for conscious leadership in today's workplace. The principles are based on generosity and empathy in order for people to live a more fulfilling life. She's also heavily involved in her sister's Thrive Movement, where she helps Ariana conduct workshops with big name companies and brands, including Nike, Starbucks, Time, Whole Foods, among countless others. Lots and lots of takeaways from our time with Agapi, including how she found her spark riding the New York City bus one day after an unsuccessful audition. You know, she first moved to New York to be an actress, didn't quite work out, but she found her spark on the bus. How come I don't find my spark on the Metro? We also talk about the dynamic of her relationship with her sister, Ariana. Did you know that they're roommates? And why wealth has nothing to do with money. That's at least her philosophy. Here is Agapi Stasinopoulos. Agapi Stasinopoulos, welcome to So Money. What an honor and privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for joining. Thank you for much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you and talk one uh, about one of my most favorite subjects. Money. <laughs> yes, yes, money. <laughs> I love when ladies like to come and talk money on the show. But first, let's please talk about your new book, Unbinding the Heart. It's over 30 personal stories uh, that you share with the world about how you became you, how you discovered your authentic self and how others can as well. Why did you want to write this book and be so transparent with the world? And why now? Yes. Well, I um, I describe very specifically my journey from Athens, Greece, to London, England, where I started acting at the Royal Academy, to uh, finishing one of the best drama schools in the world uh, with honors and very recognized for uh, my acting abilities, and then going to Los Angeles, where I went to do a movie, and three months later, the movie fell apart, and my whole life started in this journey of soul searching. And uh, I went through many years of um, uh, what I refer to as not knowing my purpose in the world, having a sense of a human angst, uh, worries, fears, the unknown, not knowing, you know, when you're 23 and you don't really know what your life is going to look like, uh, not finding validation in the world. And I walk around with a sense of insecurity and um as if the ground would not hold me, like my footing, I had no footing in the world. And that's a very uncomfortable feeling to walk around. And uh, little by little, I I studied a lot of uh, inner work I did, my spiritual teacher, John Roger. I started to meditate, do yoga. 
as I said, soul-searching, reading books, went and did a psychology at the University of Santa Monica, and I started to heal myself, and I started to realize that I was way more than being an actress and a girl who wanted to find love, and, and there was more to me. And when I started to uncover my layers, and that was a long process, and uh, I started to find a sense of self and find myself, in not just through my work, but through my heart, through the sense that I was a loving human being and I loved people and I loved myself and there was a lot of letting go of my beliefs of what I should be in the world. And then I went on to, you know, go on with my acting, but I had a very specific experience which I I love to, um, and I talk about it in the book, um, I call it, and Joan in the bath, I ended up not getting a part that I so wanted in a Greek um, play. And uh, I was so devastated. And that was years after I had been trying to get parts I wanted. And everybody would always say, oh, my God, Agape, you're so talented and you have such a gift, but we don't know how to fit you in. So the struggle that I had is that I couldn't find where I fitted in in the world. And one day I went into a New York City bath. And Farnoosh, you know, we all go to a bus or a subway and, you know, you feel the sort of like what I call a sort of collective despair where people look unhappy, they look worried, (laughs) they look like they're recycling their worries and nobody talks to anybody, you know. And I went in and and something hit me. And, you know, when that energy hits you, like a spirit said, well, you could really cheer this bus, you know, because I was a very gregarious Greek girl who love to talk to anybody. And I started a conversation with a woman next to me who ended up being uh, an actress that had become a nurse. And uh, I happened to talk to her about theater, and I told her how upset I was that I didn't get this part. And she said to me, what did you audition with? And I said, Joan of Arc, one of my favorite monologues. And she said, the Bernard Shaw one. And I said, yes, Bernard Shaw plays of Joan of Arc. And she said, which monologue did you do? I said, I did the one that she talks to her accusers, and it's called, You Promised Me My Life, But You Lied. It's a very famous, gutsy monologue that Joan of Arc gives to her persecutors before they burn her at the stake. And, 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 I, and I said to her, very spontaneously, would you like me to do it for you? And I ended up performing for her and the bus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And... What happened was up next to I was next to Miraculous because the whole bus cheered and applauded me. And this woman turned to me and said, My dear girl, you are so talented because I mean I'm not gonna do it this on your radio show, but this monologue is off the charts. I mean, this woman, you know, she's about to be burned on the stake and she's basically fearless. And she gives a piece of her mind to them. And um, all this pepped up energy that I had came out. And this woman turned to me, Farnoosh, held my hand and said, my dear girl, why are you waiting for anybody to hire you? Go do your own thing. And that moment, my life turned upside down. I went out of the bus and I felt I had been hit by a brick wall. I felt something molecules, my molecules have changed, my perception, always waiting for the world to recognize me, to give me something, like what I call like going for a, like a beggar, I said, please hire me, please hire me, 
and nobody hires you, but they tell you how wonderful you are. And at that moment, I went and sung for my singing teacher, and my heart burst open. It was like I had gone out of the deprivation of my expression to know that I had it, and I just had to give it. And then I proceeded to create a one-woman show called uh, Conversations with the Goddesses. And it was an inspiration that I had one evening sitting in my kitchen. And I said, okay, what is my own thing? I mean, what am I to do? Because I knew this woman had sent me a message, a very powerful message. But I had to also unlock the door to see what was underneath that message. And because I loved Greek mythology and I was brought up with the stories of the Greek goddesses, I came up with this very creative idea to take the the stories of the goddesses, the seven Greek goddesses, and to put monologues I loved from the Greeks, the Bernard Shaw, from Shakespeare. Because remember, I was classically trained as an actor, so these monologues were like in my fingertips, and I knew them. And then create this amazing show where I told the myths, I told how the archetypes, because I had studied the archetypes in psychology, and then I told the audience, if these goddesses could speak, this is what they would say. And then I had these monologues that fitted with the archetypes. And Farnoosh, I launched the show in a little gallery in Santa Barbara. And my mother cooked Greek food. My best friend wrote the music. My other friend decorated the gallery like a Greek temple. And it was an amazing evening. Out of that one evening, my whole life started happening. I had people hiring me, asking me to do the show in colleges, in museums. The Getty Museum did uh, an amazing uh, presentation of me in front of the antiquities, telling the stories. Uh, The Los Angeles Times wrote a big piece about it. And it became uh, very well known. This This little idea, this spark, became the successful show that I then was asked to write my first book, Conversations with the Goddesses. And then I tell that story in the book and the fear and the terror I had in writing a book. And every time I did, and then I wrote a second book, and then I created a PBS special called Conversations with the Goddesses. And your listeners can go on on YouTube and see me do uh, parts of it. I have them on YouTube, Agapis Tassinopoulos, Conversations with the Goddesses. And then I created a jewelry collection that I put at Home Shopping Network. And basically, what I want to communicate to to your listeners now is that we must never wait for anyone to give us permission to do ourselves. And for me, it took that moment to actually allow Agape to go give my gift and come up with my creativity. Now, that wasn't easy because every time I did it I had to overcome something you know what I mean it's like right now this this woman on the let's go back to the woman on the bus who was the who inspired you to go out there and claim what was yours on your own why why did why did your spark happen then I can only imagine raised with the mother that you were raised with she was very motivating she would often tell you when you were having a bad day and you were stressing out change the channel agape so why was it that this unknown woman on the bus for you was the game changer because she she looked at me and I and I even now saying it to you I tear up. She looked at me with such 
her heart had been touched. She looked at me and she had tears in her eyes. And she felt both my, my talent and my pain. The pain of this girl who was so talented was not getting the jobs. You know? And she held my hand and heart to heart, she said, go do your own thing. Now, nobody had said to me, we can't give you the job, but go do your own thing. Because when you're auditioning for a part, you know, at a theater or the movie or television, you want the part. You don't want to do your own thing. But suddenly, this bus became my audience. Can you believe it? I mean, these 40 people at the bus looked at me and gave me an applause. And it was like, I didn't want anything at that moment. I just wanted to express. And what happened inside of me, the perception that often when we have an agenda, I want to do this because I want to be hired. It kind of restricts this gift to be given unconditionally. And you know, Fano, she's like, when all of us have been of service to whether it is a homeless or people who have way less than us. And, and you go and you either feed people or you give them clothes or you read kids' stories who don't have books. And we do a lot of service work like that with my family. And people who go to third world countries, and your heart opens up and you become your spirit. And for me, what happened at that moment, my spirit unleashed, like that authentic part that you called at the beginning became alive because I didn't have an agenda like hire me. And I realized that the bus was, the world was my stage, that Mm. I had it in me. And it's it's an awareness, it's a perception change, you know. And I always tell people, um, if you have a book, write it. Start writing. If you want to paint, if you have a business you want to start, don't wait for anybody. I mean, I'm sure that's how you started your, your series of your uh, show, of doing your radio show. It's like your web show. It's like, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. It's like, who is it that says, well, other people are doing it. Don't do it because there are, other, there are so many other people who are doing shows on money. And you go, yes, but my, my show is my show. Nobody does my show like I'm going to do my show. Nobody does you like you're going to do you. So a lot of my work of writing this book, to come back to your question, was I must tell people how I got from A to Z. Because it wasn't from A to B. I went from nothing to absolutely the what I call the tsunami of expression. I had created suddenly my life out of not anybody hiring me, but because I said yes to Agape. And with uh, and, and got to really tap into my creative source, which we all have. And that's why I wanted to tell the story of how I overcame fear, how I overcame the challenge of not believing in myself to actually know that I did have it. And, um, and that's very powerful. That's very powerful. And I think everybody has that. Mm. And I see people, you know, you see people who are dying at their jobs, who are really paralyzed in relationships, and they don't have the courage to say, you know, it can be different. I don't have to be stuck. Um, Which is the message of largely thrive which is your sister ariana huffington's book that stems from her personal 
personal battle, I guess, suppose with her perfectionism and hard work and overwork. And she starts the book talking about how she collapsed basically and, you know, had to go to the hospital. She like, basically she was burnt out. She was burnt out. You helped her regain consciousness, not just, you know, the real consciousness, but a big enlightenment over about life. And now you and her, are all over the place, all over the map, teaching people about what it means to live a fulfilling, rich life. And you have said that if the, if you were a Greek goddess, if you were the if you were the embodiment <laughs> of a Greek goddess, you would be Persephone, as she is the soul searching goddess of creativity. Ariana is more of an Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Talk a little bit about your relationship, please, and how how you balance each other. Well, um, it's um, Ariana is a comp- really goes out in the world and has vision about achieving things. And then um, she is completely relentless about getting to that vision of, of what she wants to accomplish. And it's a, a remarkable quality. And that's how she created this Huffington Post out of an idea um, in our um, homes in Los Angeles. Oh, I want to give everybody a platform to express themselves. Isn't that great? I'm going to do a little blog. <laughs> and that little blog became this global company. Uh, and this this is really a very powerful vision when people are carried by that vision and they overcome tremendous obstacles to uh, and and trials and things that get stand in their way and they keep overcoming. And um, I think that can also happen with the sacrifice of yourself. You know, your nurse, your sleep, your taking care of yourself, you're, you just keep going and going. And, you know, uh, I'm so grateful that Ariana wrote that book because um, what I had most often and uh, in my nature, I have much more of what the inner life was incredibly important to me. Like um, if I'm off and disconnected from myself and I, uh, I put, you know, too many things on my plate, then I lose a sense of balance. And that's, I had to learn my own rhythm, to trust my own rhythm, and to keep knowing where my connection is. And we both are very spiritual, spiritually based uh, women, and uh, we pray together, we meditate together, we have a sense of gratitude about our lives, we've overcome a lot of things together. I've been very much a support of raising her amazing two daughters, Christina and Isabella, uh, because Ariana got um, divorced, and then I moved in with Ariana, and my mother actually lived with us too. You know, very tribal. It's like in Greece, you know, you get divorced and then you move back with your family. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So seems, seems totally, Why not? Seems totally know, right. Unconditional, yeah. unconditional love. I'm a big believer <laughs> in that. And I got divorced too much, much earlier because I got married in Los Angeles, and then. And then we went through, and it's a great uh, gift because we're very different. I'm, um, I'm much, I have a very different sensibility of doing life. I, uh, I need, I need connection with people. I need a lot of uh, my my greatness, you know, touchy feel. I'm a very touchy feely person, and I need to connect. I, uh, I have a trainer today. I have a trainer. I just came back from working out at the gym. And he's Greek, and we laugh. We laugh so much, and we, and I, and I feel I have to 
for me, joy is a very important commodity in my life. And if I don't feel joy, I'm unhappy. <laughs> well, speaking and of commodity, let's let's talk money, Agapi. Wow, this is money. We've we've run over a little bit of time, but I don't care. We're going to keep going because I want to keep talking yes. to you about money now. Your mother yes. used to say to you and your sister that you should take care of your capital. That was a philosophy yes. that she instilled in the two of you. And it wasn't obviously about money. It was about personal capital, personal well-being. What is your money yes. mantra, Agapi? Thank you for asking that. Well, I have printed here a song, uh, the lyrics of a song, which I would love your listeners to go listen by Jesse J. Jesse J. It's called Price Tag. Do you know that song? You must know that song. Um, maybe J. if I hear it. I don't. <laughs> Jesse, well, I, I'm not a very good singer. But it's basically it's called, it's not about the money, money, money. You don't need your money, money, money. And it's called, seems like everybody got a price. I wonder how they sleep at night when the sales goes first and the truth comes second. Um, and it's, it's very um, timely for me because I, I, I love to always take the conversation that it's not about the money. And my mother, Ariana, uh, and I, and my mother got divorced. We were raised in a uh, with very little money. You know, my mother always uh, had five brothers, thank God, who she always asked for money to give us education and to take us to the best schools. My father um, made money but spent it all, and, and he was just a very, had no idea about how to save money. And uh, my philosophy is that always is, is where is the value? And, and the value... Uh, and that's when she said, take care of your capital. And it's like so much of our energy goes into making that money in the paycheck. And we, it is a very different attitude to know that you are the commodity, you are the capital, taking care of yourself and investing in yourself. Whatever it is that makes you feel like you are so valuable and so precious and so alive in who in the, the miracle of your life and to know that investing in yourself in your sleep in your food in your uh, working out and exercising taking care of your body your doctors really looking at yourself as the uh, treasure like you know if you have the Taj Mahal in front of you or the pyramid or the Acropolis you will take care of them like we take care of our outer better than we take care of ourselves how you think. My mother was fanatic about not spending time with toxic people, people who bring you down, people who um, really are not good for you. And she would say, why are you spending so much time with this girl? She's eating up your energy, you know, she would say to us. Change She's the channel. Eating your energy. <laughs> Change the channel. Change the exactly. channel. I love it. I'm, I'm adopting that, that term. Well, what is an example of a story growing up that was very much a financial lesson for you? Perhaps it was the first time you had your first job or your encounter with money that really resonates now as an adult. You look at that moment and think, wow, that was a that was a teachable moment for me. Well, I think uh, I remember as a, as a little girl, I used to ask my father, I would say, um, you know, can I have some money? And he would give me a little bit of money. Uh, and, and he said to me, whatever I give you, you spend, you know, the matter I give you, you know, $10 or $20, you'll come back with nothing. And, uh, I remember I, I said, daddy, where does money come from? And she said, well, there's this big well. 
And I go and throw the basket and I pick up the well and I bring the money up. And I said, well, why don't you get more money from the well? You know, and she said, well, they give you so much every day, you know. So it was like this, he had this um, almost scarcity, but there wasn't enough money. My father was a concentration camp survivor. He had struggled in his life a lot. So he was very uh, tight about money. He spent it, but he always felt this fear that there wasn't enough. And that's a very big traumatic thing that he had. Uh, you know, two years in the concentration camps can create all sorts of traumas in your psyche. My mother, on the other hand, uh, had this thing that we will always find money. And um, she would sell something. She would uh, ask her brothers, as I said. She would always uh, go ask the bank for a loan without any collateral. She just was very free about money. Um, if we didn't have enough money, she would go buy me and Ariana something so she would make us feel that we had everything. And there was, I, I was raised with such sense of abundance. I mean, my, for our home, when you came in, there were big trays of uh, nuts and dried fruits and wheat, which is a symbol of abundance. And she radiated this queenliness, although she didn't have much money. And I don't know if you understand, I'm sure you understand that thing where you see people who have a lot of money, but what my mother used to to call, she used to call them the poor rich people, <laughs> you know. Yes, the <laughs> poor rich. Mm -hmm. I the know poor that. Rich. She said, this is a poor rich, and this is a person who is wealthy. I have this chapter in my book. Let me see what chapter it is. I love this chapter. I said, Mommy, are we rich? I don't know if you had a chance to, but she made, and she said, listen to me. She said, Mommy, are we rich? I said, and my mother said, listen to me. We are very, very wealthy. Wealth has nothing to do with money. Uh, wealth has to do with education, with talent, with arts, with sharing your gifts with others, with being generous, with friendships, with love, with quality time. And she went on and on for no. She was like, I was nine years old. And it's Mommy, I will read chapter four. And it's, it's very powerful because when you are you know, nine years old, and your mother uh, feels very wealthy. And actually, a friend of mine posted this in uh, in Fortune.com in a magazine because she said it was a great example about how people live when they make it all about the money. And it's about wealth. And wealth makes you create money because you... You can walk anywhere, you know, in a job or in an interview for a job, or you can go raise money, and and you have a consciousness. It's a consciousness, right. and that's when I I call spiritualizing your money. Um, so wealth versus riches is a very big distinction in my consciousness. The other one is, you know, Carlos, and I want to make sure that I mention that. Is I'm a big tither. I tithe. I have a spiritual group that I'm part of. Uh, it's called the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness. They're based in Los Angeles. And it's where I get a lot of my source of the teachings of um, that are very grounded in, in soul and in heart and in light of consciousness. My spiritual teacher is John Roger. And I tithe in my spiritual group. I tithe 10% of everything I make. Uh, in the Bible... Uh, there's a big um, 
you know, chapters about tithing and what, and it means you make God your partner. God to me is consciousness, is universal love. So when money comes to me, I look at it as added value. And I go, my source is the spirit. And I, the tithing is such a joyful experience for me. I cannot tell you. And also I seed. And, um, I seeding is you, you, you take a, a small amount of what comes in your mind and you say, I want this to be going a certain way. And I ask for guidance and support from God or the universal energy or my source. And you take an amount and again, you tie it, you, you seed it, seeding it and seeding. I can't say enough about what seeding has done for me. I remember once I had run through credit card debt and I had a certain amount of money. I had, I think, something like $500. That was a big amount for me then. I was a young girl and I felt, oh my God. And I took that last money and I seed it. And I had asked that I had auctioned an item that I had uh, to bring me the amount of money that I owed in my credit card. And Two months later, the auction happened, and the auctioneer called me, and she said, they never forget it. I was at the airport, and he said to me, Ms. Tetsnoff, I think, I hope you're sitting down, because never in my life of auctioning have I encountered a bidding that brought so much money. It was supposed to bring $1,500, and that item brought 32500 because somebody, people fell in love with it. And that mm-hmm. item that I auctioned, I was I was able to pay, and it was a miracle. You could start a and life was, with that. That's a, <laughs> that's a huge yeah, amount. Yeah, and I had I had a big credit card debt. I had accumulated credit card, which is a terrible weight in your consciousness. Terrible. I mean, you know, for us, I, I you have a question who you have. A, I, I want to answer. <laughs> uh, you you say what. If you want the lottery tomorrow and you want a hundred million dollars, <laughs> right? That's at the end. Can I answer that? Yes, please. What is it? Can, fast I, can I answer that? Because well, the reason I want to answer it is because I have such passion about students who have credit card loans. You know, who who don't know. You're a young girl or a young boy, and you go to to university, and you start accumulating debt, and then you finish, and you have this huge debt. And and you don't know how to pay. You don't get even if you get a job. By the time you pay the interest, it is you you can never catch up. You are aware of that problem in this country, right? Of course, of course, yes. It's an epidemic. It's epidemic. It's an epidemic, and and it is criminal. It is criminal what we do to these kids that we allow that there is a system that allows kids to do that. And they don't they don't offer them solutions, and then there are no cuts for these people, for these young kids because that's ruining our youth. So if I had a hundred million dollars, I would probably do this um, lottery. I mean, not lottery. I will open a Facebook. It's one of my ideas where people can post what is um, their loan debt and what are they tend to do, and interview people to see who is the person that I would give money to take care of the debt, and I would bring other millionaires, because if I had a million dollars, I would be a millionaires, which I would very much love, and I would bring other, and I would go to you, Farnoosh, and I'd say, let's find another 10 millionaires and ask <laughs> them all, or 20, to start paying these kids' debt, mm. and, and build and build a community where we support these kids, and, and there is a 
Would you like to do that with me? <laughs> I would love to. Give, you know what? Put me on your list. And you're absolutely right that this is uh, this is a shame. It's, a, it's an absolute I mean, shame. And this generation uh, is unlike any other generation in the fact that they're entering the real world with this exorbitant amount of debt that they can't get rid of. It used to be you could get rid of it in a bankrupt personal bankruptcy. You could, you know, which is not, I don't wish that on anyone, but at least that was an option. (laughs) Something has to happen and it's not going to be institutions. It's going to be people like you, generous people and me to help help people. Yeah, And all these amazing people you have interviewed uh, on your list, on your amazing web series, on money, you're bringing such beautiful consciousness beyond money. Agapi, what's one financial habit that you have that helps you continue to manifest wealth in your life and create wealth in your life? I, I think it's more like um, what I, it, it's more like an, a mental habit, which is I teach myself not to be afraid of money. So when I think, oh my God, I don't have enough or something, I really talk to myself. I say, well, let's look and see what we have, what we can spend. Uh, so I'm very much, um, I watch my my consciousness and I, I'm very, very generous. You know, I, I'm i very generous out in the world when I, um, you know, tipping people and, and just, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't make it a lot, I don't make my life a lot about money. I feel like, Money is a way to really uh, give people a lot of joy as well, and um, it's more like a mental habit of where I mm. and and then of course you know I pay I pay attention to I like to look at my credit card statements I like to really watch I'm more conscious of where I spend and um, and also not obsess about it you know I, I feel for me that the biggest thing is to really not obsess. Uh, about the money, but obsessed about quality of life and and where do I, where am I contributing, uh, and how am I taking care of myself every day a little better, mm. and that that to me is my core. And again, I come back to that that song, uh, the price tag by Jamie J. It's not about the money. It's not about the money, and um, and that that has sort of has to sink in. That money we have to spiritualize the money. We have to really. Alchemize our money to know this energy. Right. It's energy. Well, you beat me to this question, which is what you would do with a million, hundred million dollars. So we know that we're well, gonna, we're going to change the world one student loan at a time. <laughs> um, yes. What's one thing that you spend on Agapi that makes your life easier or better or both? Well, okay. Can I tell you my little addiction? <laughs> It's Please Uber. tell me. Yes, <laughs> it's Uber. I use Uber all the time. I yeah. use Uber. Because I love Uber. I don't know. Do you use Uber? I, I I admit. Yes, I'd like to use less of it just because it's so. It, it can really add up. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's it's a, it's a it's a little bit. Uh, but it's it's it can become an addiction because especially when the, the so prices easy. go up and they say, "Oh, it's double the price," and you go, "What the hell? I have to get a car right now." But uh, it's changed my life because I, uh, I, I must say I, I love taxis and I have a chapter in my book about how I manifest taxis. But I hate the feeling of waiting and waiting for a taxi and there's no taxi and you have to get somewhere and, um, and then you call an Uber and it's downstairs and 
they, they take you home in a second and they're nice cars and I just that's my luxury. <laughs> I love it. But it is a complete I... luxury. And you're right. The convenience is really hard to beat. It's just, you know, it's especially when beat. it's raining, you don't have to hail a cab. I get it. We're New Yorkers. We know. <laughs> we're New Yorkers. We're you know, it's, it's so convenient. And, it, and there's very three minutes. The only thing is you realize that, that you have to be immediately meeting downstairs because they leave. I know, they, they leave. leave. Right? <laughs> they you don't to, wait. And I, said, have, I, I said, I'm coming down. And I go down and say, where are you? I said, I left, mom. I left. Oh, I said, why? oh <laughs> man, I know. I, I've, I've been there. Well, last question, Agapi. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. But I have to ask you, I ask all my guests before they leave, why are you so money? I'm Agapi Sassanopoulos. I'm so money because... I am so money because it's not about the money, money, money. It's not about the money, money, money. That's right. It's wealth is not about money. I love it. Thank you very, very much. And it's congratulations. It's all about the wealth. Exactly. Let us live with that note. It's all about the wealth yeah. and not about the money. And wealth is is attributed to who you are, your contribution, your your being a giver, being being a, an intelligent human being, having gifts, developing your gifts, your curiosity about life. We're all in it together. And uh and for me that consciousness of, of knowing that you can ask for help, you if you want to improve your wealth uh, in terms of money, there are lots of people to go coach you find mentors and, and share, share what you have. And um, that makes you so wealthy in your life. And it's a, it's a great way to live and to wake up every day. Because um, we are, you know, we we are miracles. I, I just really feel that uh, we have to stop thinking of ourselves as linear human beings and realize that we're a miracle of life. All right. With that. And love you. yourself a lot. Love yourself and a lot. A lot and, and unbind your heart. <laughs> well, speaking of, everybody run to buy Unbinding the Heart by Agapi Stasinopoulos. The website is unbindingtheheart.com. Agapi is on Twitter. Agapi says... Thank you very, very much, Agapi. We will be connecting, of course, offline. I love you. I love your work, everything you stand Thank for. Thank you, Farnoosh. And people can go into um, my uh, Facebook, Agapi Stasinopoulos, and uh, like my page. And there I post a lot of things over what I do and where I am. And uh, follow me on Instagram at Agapi Sees. And, um, and my Facebook. And let's all feel fabulous. Um, not about the money tribe. Yeah, I like that. Let's do it. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Thank you. That's a wrap. Once again, if you'd like to learn more about Agapi, her website, unbindingtheheart.com. She's also on Twitter at Agapi Says. All these links and more over at somoneypodcast.com where you can, of course, click on Ask Farnoosh. While you're there, send me your question. Every Friday, I turn the tables, answer your money questions. Stay tuned tomorrow for an interesting interview with Nigel Barker. He's a judge on the popular TV show America's Next Top Model that just announced is going to be ending after 12 years and 22 seasons. So Nigel will be with us talking money, talking Hollywood, TV, and all that he has going on. Thanks so much, everyone. Hope your day is so money. Money.